Totally good. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Honest Conversations with Alex Cubis. <laughs> <laughs> I am sitting with Peter. Peter, last name. <laughs> Sergeant. You have to say the whole name. I'm sit- you're sitting with Peter Sergeant. Peter Sergeant, and we are about to discuss or continue my exploration into the origins of artists, creatives, ideas, how they get uh, the where they get the kernel of their thought processes, how they <laughs> distinguish themselves, what helps them stand apart, stand out, um, wow. even even the practical realities for, I guess, how they get to where they have got. Um, I'm going to find my words soon enough. I'm only having my first coffee for the day, even though it is a Thursday afternoon, um, just after 2.30. We're in Studio City. And before we began our conversation, Peter and I were talking about uh, plastic surgery, crystals, <laughs> and the fact that I saw Rod Stewart um, not long ago at a with restaurant his with his blonde tips and his four-year-old not long ago. I'm sure that Peter will have other stories or whatever comes up will come up. I actually saw Carl Chandler yesterday at oh, the cool. cafe. Right. I was like, it's really hard not to say something. I don't usually get did you struck, Did you say something to him? I didn't. No, Why not? Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. Cool. Coach Taylor. Yeah, cool. Clear eyes, full hearts. And also um, Bloodline, which I love. Yes, yeah, sure. So much. Um, Sorry, that's our dog. No, 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 that's fine. Yeah, we have two dogs here. Um, beautiful house. Anyway, I won't uh, get into the nitty gritty. Okay. Do you know how these conversations usually start? Did you listen to the first few minutes of one of the others? I did and I forgot already. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a good thing. Okay. Okay. Um, I think I feel I need I want right in this moment. What does that mean? So finish those phrases. So right now I think about right now I feel hungry. Right now I need water. Right now I want more money. Whatever comes to oh, mind. Okay. So the first one is right I now I think um, I don't know. I feel It's hard because I feel like my first thing, the first word that just popped into my head was magical. Great. <laughs> so, okay. Are you thinking of magic or the power or whatever? Yeah. No, I just, I just think like, I guess I just associate those words like the year of magical thinking maybe or something oh, okay. like, Okay. and I just, I don't know. I guess that's something that's been, st- not that work particularly, but just the idea of like, you're already confirming my theory about you anyway. And my theory is already that so Peter, if you guys are not familiar with her work, uh, star of House of Hancock, the originals. Yes. And what would you what else would you like to mention? Uh, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, I yeah, guess they did awesome. Here. Oh, how appropriate actually, given that I was just about to mention that she has a sense of wonder about her. Um, and you carry like a lot of joy with you. So I don't think that it's a coincidence that at the top of your um, your mind of this is the thought of like magic or just something like positive, right? Yeah. Like it's like your natural way of thinking. Um, what would, how would you finish the other phrases? I feel, is mm-hmm. that your one? I actually feel a little bit dry. Okay. But it's not negative, mm-hmm. which I think is a really beautiful thing. Okay. Because I think that's something that you'd normally assume. That's awesome that you can even make something positive, which, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, <laughs> confirming just, my theory. I, I just feel <laughs> like, it's funny because I was just like, I feel a bit dry. Like, I don't know. I've had a really big, amazing, astonishing, curious, like awe-inspiring 10 days where I went to Mammoth and the, there's like a, a geothermal kind of creek and series mm-hmm. of hot springs oh, cool. around Mammoth Lakes. And 
there was like this epic record snowfall and I had a friend out from Australia, she'd never seen snow and I was like, let's just go. So we sort of had this really kind of beautiful... It was just a holiday? Mystical. Yeah, nice. Yeah, like we felt like we got transported. It was wow. so amazing. Cool. It's, it's, you get like that, especially in California is, has those opportunities. So, it's so magical. Yeah. And we met so many incredibly interesting people and yeah, it was just really wild and then... I came back here for a couple of auditions and then we left again and we spent two days in the desert oh. at Joshua Tree. Oh, so it was nice. just super extreme, but mm. it just felt very thorough. <laughs> right now it's like you could, on anyone else or if anyone else said that, they would be criticized, I think of cliche, like to have done those. But when you say it, it's like, oh, you are the source of where people get the cliches from. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you wear it legit- with a sense here, of legitimacy like, in your... Ridiculously. What pattern is that? I don't even know. Right. Lotus flower. With our crystals on the table. Tights, and, yeah. and dirty hair. That's fine. <laughs> it's it's artistic. Um, I need. Um, maybe some clarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I have a whole lot of different opportunities and choices and decisions all sort of swelling, okay. you know, and so I guess I'm, I, I could do with some clarity. clarity and what about I want, same thing? Uh, mm, I want, I don't know. No, not the same thing. What decisions are you dealing with at the moment? Um, are they career related or are they? Some of them are career related. related. Some mm-hmm. of them are spiritual. Some of them are personal. Some of them are just. I I feel like there's so much to do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's so much to do, and and at the moment, I really feel like very present with what I've been, what I would call mandated to do creatively while I'm on the earth with the time that I have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I suppose you reach a point in your career or whatever where you, where you realise you're not necessarily going to get the opportunities to tell the stories that are really important to you unless you tell them yourself. Okay. So yeah. are, you, are you talking like in a practical, how does that pra- manifest practically? Are you talking about like writing, writing your own mm-hmm. project? Yeah, writing yeah. and... Yeah, I feel like I've been just like dabbling with all with lots of different art forms at the moment. I've been okay. painting a ton and just kind of trying to get everything out, you mm-hmm. know. And then I've got this expression that I use sometimes, which is just trolling, mm-hmm. like just reading lots of different things, listening to all different kinds of music, listening to all different kinds of podcasts, and mm-hmm. and How then, appropriate. And then and then relaying <laughs> it. You listen all, to this one. And then, it's like, hmm, that Peter has got really good ideas. Oh, I, should, I should listen to her more often. People will listen and they'll just be like, she's indecipherable. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just kind of sifting through that. And, and some of those things are just outlets. Like the painting is just an outlet and a form of expression and, in, and collage, you know, to kind of – because that's how we're designed really. Like if you're an artist, then – you're designed in a certain way 
which is to receive a lot of information, which mm-hmm. I think most people are generally filtering out. We're, we're sort of conduits through or totally. for ideas or something. Yeah. Well, even just like sensorily, I think yeah, you don't right. have, you know, a friend of mine wrote a book about this and, and how actually the, the, the chemical makeup and design of a, a creative person is actually different. It's quite different. Are you serious? Yeah. And we actually don't have as many filters. And so that's why I think a lot of artists, yeah, it's it's a really amazing book. I'll lend it to you. What's it called? Uh, Living with a Creative Mind. This is like, this this is like perfect. (laughs) This is what this podcast is about though. It's like the fact that we don't have filters and you can't really have a filter if you're... Yeah, I'm going to take these off because they're really jangly. (laughs) Taking off your earrings. Um, Did you... Did you go to acting school? I'm not finishing any of my thoughts. That's all right. No, I'm cutting you off though. No, no. Um, did you I go did. to? So, did you when you were at acting school? Did you have to shed those? <laughs> those are the earrings again. Did you have to shed those uh, walls or whatever you had put up, or did you even have them put up to begin with? Sorry, could you ask again? So, when you went, which acting school did you go to? I went to NIDA. Okay, standard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so sorry, Denik. I didn't mean for that to be <laughs> that so insulting. So- <laughs> Oh, Australian? Yeah, like, good on you. Oh, so not really. Funny. Like, yeah. Because so we're in America, we'll be like, wow. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And it should be my answer. That used to be my response as well because I have oh, a, I have a, uh, or I definitely had an inferiority complex about not having gone to acting school for such a long oh, time. Oh, wow. Um, so whenever I would meet someone from that, I'd be like, I'm really jealous of you. <laughs> inside, inside. Um, but when you went to NIDA, when what year did you finish? Don't ask that. Don't ask. Okay. <laughs> but I'm just I only it's asked that to put it into context for if it was a different because now it's a different school. It's very, yeah, I yeah. was there. I think we were probably part was it of Tony class Knight? Card. Yeah. Okay. Tony. Kevin I don't Jackson. Know if Kevin's still there? No, Kevin isn't. Oh right, that's it. I feel like everything that I use now, not everything, obviously, I've collected a lot of other things along sure. the way, and I've done other classes. Yeah. And, but there's a lot of pretty much everything that I use or a lot of my regular tools in my belt I, I got from KJ. Great. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. He's- Kevin Jackson or KJ, as Peter just referred to him, is an Australian acting teacher. So if you're in Sydney, you can do classes with him at now go. the Hub Studio. He's amazing. He's very theoretical, theatre-based. He is, but he's extremely intuitive. It's very specific. And regimented empowering yeah and, and encouraging i mean he can bring people down but he's yeah he's very insightful mm. he's a very powerful teacher and and i think that ultimately his end game is the liberation of the artist mm. of the actor and so there are you know perhaps so, so do you think that was your experience at nida no that was my experience of kj <laughs> oh, okay okay um, so Going back to the original question or continuing that thing of artists not having any walls, did you have any? And then have you had to strip them away? And have you ever, since finishing acting school, had to strip them away again? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think also what I was referencing before, I don't think filters and walls are the same thing. Okay. So I think what I'm talking, what I was referencing before in terms of filtering information, like Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people when they're having a dialogue or a conversation or a moment or at work, they're not necessarily receiving everything else that's happening in the room in space and time because they have filters that are automatically in play. Yeah, sure. They're not walls. They're not defenses. They're just natural filters that are 
sieving uh-huh. what's coming in sensorily. And what's, what the book talks about is how creatives don't have those filters necessarily, which is why we can get overwhelmed and there's issues of addiction and, you know, yeah. all these kinds of things because everything is coming in all the time. And that's why I guess we're drawn and we can't, despite our maybe wanting to do other careers, totally. why we always feel compelled to Well, it's at the core you. of identity as well. Yeah, that's know? why so, it is. Interesting. And I think and that's I've, why it's so critical. I used to think that that was really pretentious, but I guess now if this book theorizes there's like a scientific basis for it, that's pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And just, I think the fragility that comes from that, the vulnerability that comes from that, like mm-hmm. it's, it's also a beautiful thing to, I think actually one of the, the greatest things I've learned along the way was um, I really highly recommend everyone watch this documentary. It's called Special Thanks to Roy London. Okay. And I watch it actually often. I'm is actually, he a singer or a producer? He was an acting coach. Okay. In, oh, um, yeah. You know, like he was, uh, yeah, he was Brad like, Pitt and yeah. Rob Lowe's He coached teacher? a lot of yeah. different people and he was kind of like the predecessor to a lot of yeah the acting coaches that are around now mm-hmm. and kind of have all their own devotees. <laughs> yeah, they they gurus um, and the followers. Yeah. Yeah, but he talked a lot about what it is to allow yourself to be seen. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I was gonna say about it's one thing to be an artist who can see and you have no filters and you're always seeing everything and but it's an, I feel like the biggest lesson that I've learned in the last few years is actually the vulnerability, humility, and like, you know, courage, I suppose, which most times is mingled with a tremendous amount of horror at being seen and being willing to fully be seen. And he talked a lot about that. Like most people everybody but also including most artists or actors in that because he mostly dealt with actors he talked about how we're always trying to hide the shadow and in that he was referring to Jung's shadow which I, I don't know just in case people don't know was kind of Carl Jung yeah uh, what's his what would his title be psychotherapist psychologist yeah he yeah. came up with the term of the self yeah the ego all that and I think yeah. his his idea of his concept of the shadow that's spelled J-U- J-E-U-N-G. J-U-N-G. Yeah. Yeah. And um, his concept of the shadow was any part of the self, the psyche, the personality, that the conscious ego does not identify itself with. It doesn't recognize because it it, can't, it doesn't want to be identified with. So it's basically all the – it's like the dark side. Okay. That we don't want to associate ourselves with. We don't want to associate ourselves with. And, on, and then because of that, we don't ever want it to be seen. So is the idea with – London's appropriation of that concept mm-hmm. is it to show people the shadow or yeah. incorporate it into yourself it's to be willing to be seen completely okay. including the shadow like he sort of talked a lot about a lot of people because ultimately a lot of actors are looking for love yeah. and acceptance sure. and belonging and yeah. a tribe and please pick me and mm-hmm. you know all this sort of stuff. <laughs> validation validation yeah. so yeah. always walking in the room going Will you validate me? Yeah. And so the first thing you have to do if you think you want to be received is hide the shadow. But if you want to create really great work and be fully present in the moment and be fully dangerous, which is actually what our job is to do, to not know what's coming next, you have to not only engage with your shadow and become aware of it and acknowledge it, which the ego doesn't want to do, 
you have to also say, okay, not only will I let you see it, I don't even know what it's going to do. I'll let the camera roll while all that's happening. So, so wow. Like, yeah, it's exciting, huh? <laughs> that's amazing. It makes you want to work, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> I luckily I'm filming something this afternoon, so I'm like, oh, yes. Um, yeah. So, so that's, why that's, I mean, that's why I don't like the idea of walls because I yeah, feel like you, sure. can, you can put up walls and you can have walls and defense mechanisms and all that sort of stuff, but I don't feel like they really come into play in the arena of work and artistry. And of course not. And, They're mutually exclusive. I, th I think that they are, yeah. So for you, can you tell or offer stories for when you recognized your shadow either at drama school and like in the years since, maybe when you transitioned from Australia to America, which is from experience, yeah. the transition coming to America, for me, I, I put up a wall. So my work suffered as a result oh, initially wow. and I wasn't even aware of it. You put up a wall? Yeah, well, I don't even, like, I mean, it's a, that's a vague metaphor for, but I just, I think that I, I, something happened, like something shifted where, yeah, again, like it was a big investment to come over here. So I didn't want to, I didn't obviously didn't want to fail. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that probably a part of maybe my vulnerability shut down a little bit and I wasn't able to access that and I wasn't quite aware. I wasn't completely cognizant of that and it happened so quickly. It was just in my first pilot season here. So, um, for you, have you had any similar experiences where you've had to keep that in check? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, Tell I, me had, about those. <laughs> I had the total opposite experience. Like I, I feel like for me, I came to California and I felt like I came home. Oh, Okay. I always felt... I felt in tune with the place too, but I think... Yeah. Different. Did you book a job... No, no. ...first I, that brought you over here or what done, brought you over here? I had done a show, a couple of seasons of a show in Melbourne. Satisfaction? Yeah. Yeah. And um, and it just left me really raw. Pardon the metaphor. It's a bad <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> no, it's all right. If you guys, you guys can look up Satisfaction. <laughs> guys can look up Satisfaction on IMDb. Up. Oh. But uh, I just felt really, um, I think it is the industry. It's changed a lot since, since the time that, that I was really a part of it. The Australian industry? Yeah, I think it's changed a lot. But I do believe it. it is the industry, but it was also all of the wounds and hurts and identity issues that I had that I carried with me that kind of like met the industry head on in terms of for the most part in Australia, I'm not white. Like okay. for the most part, I just felt, you know, I know it's, I know it's like a classic thing. I felt like I was on the outside and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And, you know, lots of people feel that way, but I did. You had a more legitimate reason given that. Yeah. And I, you, you know, I did have people say things process. to me like we're only seeing white Australians or, yeah. you know, like a lot of the roles that I played, I felt like I'd really been relegated to outsiders. Okay. Which in the beginning I really loved because, you know, you come out of drama school and you're a young artist and you're like, I just want to destroy myself for my yeah, art. Yeah. If I don't die trying to make it, it's yeah. not valid. Right. Like all that sort of stuff. Like I just want to do. I think a lot of actors a lot of actors have a masochistic thing to them. Totally self-sacrificing. Is that, is that um, I guess we don't have a big ego, so we feel like we need to suffer in order to succeed. Do you think? I think we have massive egos. <laughs> it's like, but they go, they almost go hand, like we have the ego, we have a huge ego to take us there. But then with that, there's like a, it's like we sit on two ends of the extreme, with two ex ends of the extreme, like mm. either incredibly self-confident, but then also it's like yeah. tied to this huge insecurity. And that's where, or what informs the experience of wanting to self-sacrifice. 
in that process that you just explained? Yeah, I guess so. I don't really know what's at the bottom of it. I feel like it's something I've been kind of investigating for a while. Like, why is there this fundamental core of, like, masochism or violence Mm. or self-sacrifice that seems to be in the foundation of our understanding of what it is to create? I think it's to do with the nature of, like, trying to decipher and articulate and process Well, I guess I've not everything. having ha- having different filters. Exactly. That's sort of they could do. So kind of the, the rest, the, sort yeah. of like the end of that sentence is that so then the artist is receiving all that information yeah. and then they, it's sort of like are compelled to process it, articulate it, and then create something from it. Yeah. And put it out into the world, which mm-hmm. then kind of articulates it for other people. Mm. And it's a very... In, it can. It's interesting because it's a very insular process, investigative and like intuitive and all those sort of things. But creativity by nature is not solitary; mm-hmm. it's communal. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I think that maybe is why there's kind of a struggle of just like advancing and retreating, advancing and retreating, like really needing to be mm-hmm. in community and doing all these things, but then going away and a lot of processing and toil and. And whatever else, I've kind of lost my train of thought. No, I, I get it though. It's that's it's very on point. Um, going back to what left you, you were feeling a bit raw after oh, yeah. the experience, or yeah, I just, frustration. I guess you could just yeah. put it as frustrations with the Australian industry. Yeah, it just felt like I'd hit a ceiling and it wasn't really. So what was going to shift? I I was found myself looking around and going, don't really see myself. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Have a, someone at the Sorry. door. I wonder who it is. Oh my gosh. It's probably just male. No, it's fine. Yeah, it is. These are real moments. <laughs> Sorry. It's a good. Bark is so offensive, too. Hey, puppy. Hey, puppy. Hi. Um, I love when those moments happen, though. I think they're really good. Yeah. <laughs> the um, bark will be so loud. Yeah. I think it was so audience will be like, listen. I hope no say. one has headphones on. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies to those who do. Sorry. So, you, was it when you wrapped, like a couple weeks after you wrapped the last season of Satisfaction, that you had a moment where you were like, literally, like, I don't see much else available for me here? Or it was, was a it a conversation journey. with it an agent? A, it was, no, it was a long journey. It okay. was kind of like, I had some really offensive questions asked to me when we were doing the first season and we were doing press and somebody Ooh. from the career, <laughs> somebody from the, I won't name them, I already okay. half did, but yeah. some newspaper in Australia asked me if I thought the fact that I was Asian helped me get the role. <laughs> and I was like, I don't understand the question. She was like, well, you know, the whole Asian prostitute thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, what? I just felt like the I show is about prostitutes, by the way. Yeah, that's a, yeah, or sorry, like yeah, the link in case yeah, that's the link in case. Set in a brothel. Yeah. Anyway, so just I just sort of found myself like, yeah, that's what I was saying before. Which in the beginning I was kind of like, great, I love playing the fringe dwellers and exploring this and that and mm-hmm. whatever. But then when I guess you feel like that's what you've been relegated to and there's no other option, it felt like you know frustrating and I felt a bit hemmed in and. I just felt like I was always playing like the woman you don't want to live next door to a version of that, whether it just be, I'm going to have an affair with your husband or a prostitute or a lesbian or someone from another nation, which usually was not the nation that I'm from, that I was born in. 
you know, what so other shows? Lots of I mean, that. I guess people could do research, yeah. but so did you, like what other races of... did you play that isn't reflective of your heritage? Oh, South American. Oh <laughs> no, just goes all, just like all over the map. What is your heritage? Sort of like, I was born in Malaysia. My okay. mom's Malay Chinese and okay. my dad's Irish Australian. Okay. So I just, it was sort of like a long process. Yeah. And, and also feeding into that, like I said, it, it's not just the industry. It, it was also the, the wounds that I carried even just from childhood and probably mm. generationally from when yeah. my mom migrated yeah. to Australia and, yeah. you know, what Blood she went memory. through and totally, yeah. totally. It's a Larry Moss concept. So yeah. That's kind of what I meant by my story met what the industry was telling me really head on. And it was kind of fairly, it was pretty intense and, and hurtful and corrupting. And at the same time, you know, Phoenix from the Ashes. It's good. Those things are good. Like, I don't think... Because they, 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 they're the impetus for change. They feed you. They compel you. They challenge yeah. you. So did you, you... Was there, like, a moment where you were like, I'm just going to either come to LA to get a manager or get the O-1 visa or what? Well, yeah, it's interesting because I, I felt like by the by The, the O-1 time, visa is the visa for actors, by the way, for yeah. listeners. Yeah. Um, I felt definitely by the end of the first season that I didn't necessarily want to do it again even okay. though I was contracted for okay. a couple more, sh- more shows oh wow um and then that was its own process in the second season okay where you know in hindsight now I, I don't have any way to say it other than to say it the way that I see it in my own truth which is I just really felt like God made a way for me okay and um I was and I was really honest with you know, everybody who was involved, like I wasn't sleeping. I was really, it was really difficult. I felt like a prostitute and wow. it was really hard to make the show. And, and I, you know, I didn't feel like necessarily what I wanted to make was in line with what was being made. And it's always the incredible ex- exhilaration and excitement of making an unknown, unquantified new content. It's really exhilarating, but then there's always going to be that moment of like, where you where it suddenly qualified, quantified, and exists as a thing, and you're like, and that happened during the second season. Because... Well, it happened when I saw the show. Okay, I think you know because you kind of like when you saw the first episode and you were like, oh, this is what it is. Yeah, yeah. and you're just like, oh, I think, and I think that happens all the time as as an actor. It's yeah. not it's not a slight on the show. It's actually yeah. our job is so small compared the to the rest micro, of the beast. Yeah, and we're very and we much, think that it's, it's very internal and it's yeah. very like. You can't see me. I'm doing this thing in circles, <laughs> but um, and and it's a it's a part. It's a piece inside of something else. And so it's not until you see the something else that you realize what you're a part of. I actually heard this great thing from Julianne Moore that I just went, oh yeah. She was talking about um, what was the thing she won the Oscar for a couple of years ago? Still out? Um, still Alice? Is that what? No, is that what it's called? Uh, why can't I? I can't think anyway. It's crazy. She was being interviewed about that. About Alzheimer's. Yes. Yeah. And um, the interviewer asked her um, what she thought when she saw it. She said, I haven't seen it. And they were like, you haven't seen yeah. your own movie? And she said, um, I stopped watching my work a really long time ago. And, um, and they said, why? And she said, because it's just always disappointing. And it's not, I, you know... I think she qualified it and I don't want to butcher what she said, but mm-hmm. it wasn't that she was disappointed in her own work. It's just that you, to do what I we think do, it diminishes the, have to the, bring, the specialness of the experience. Yeah. And you have to yeah. bring the whole world in your interior landscape. Yeah. 
you're carrying a whole world with you, all of the relationships, the stuff that isn't in the script, that doesn't go on screen, whether it gets cut in the edit or not, it's not, it doesn't even exist anywhere except mm. in your heart, mm-hmm. in your imagination, in your body, in your cells, in your system. And you carry it with you this whole time that you're filming. Like, why did I say that line? Why did I do that? And like, what, all the questions that you ask yourself, what, you know, like one of the questions I always ask of characters is like, what's my secret profession? Like, oh, okay. you know, like, what do I wish I was doing? Right. So I feel like people are always, do, you Definitely. know, and yeah. just things like that. Except so, if you're a just, working actor. I know. It's I like, know, I've made it. <laughs> you don't have to. You, you've actually, you're doing exactly what you want totally. to do. Yeah. But I feel like there's all of this enormous landscape that you carry inside mm. of yourself that you bring to the other actor, to the set, that you let the camera like peer in on. And there's sort of, I don't know if you ever get used to that not being there. Mm. You know, like I think there's flashes of it and moments of it, but it's hard. I, I don't know if you if you ever get used to the... Um, the disparity between the world that you carried inside yourself that you brought to set or to wherever mm. and the purity of that world and that purity of that moment that you had with the other actor or that you had with the director or that you had with the DP or or whoever else is there, you know, with one of the ADs or just an extra or mm. it's always kind of like, huh, oh, oh. And that's why you want to keep it. And that's why you want to keep it there and not yeah. watch it afterwards. So did you? It's just an interesting. I can't remember why I said that. There was something that I was saying about that, well, that led us to. Well, originally it was why you wouldn't want to watch it. Oh, so I was saying that, that with the show. Yeah, so I just wanted to qualify that because yeah. I didn't want it to be like. I didn't want people to misunderstand. You know, it's not the a show of the show for sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's how I felt. I just kind of was like, oh, I thought we were making this, and this is different than what I thought, and. And it, and it did cost a lot to make, mm. you know, it did It was a big show for Foxtel, and... but financially too, for everyone else involved. But no, I mean, you... I mean, literally, personally, right. cost, the cost was high, you okay. know, like, it was, a, it was, I think in the beginning, it was really exhilarating. It was just like, we're going to do this thing that nobody's done, and yeah. it's really on the edge, and it's really exciting, and yeah. we're going to fully go there. We're going to give our bodies to it, our hearts to it, our everything to it, and that's really... There, it's it's a paradox because it was like you were saying before. It's both parts incredibly satiating to the artist, but it's incredibly detrimental to the woman. <laughs> you know, right. like so it was kind of this constant paradox. And who was it? Was it Virginia Woolf that said? I can't remember misquoting who it was, but she said, you know, the um, the the artist. Oh, I'm not even going to quote it because I'm going to misquote it. We can, we can, I can tweet it, tweet it later if you think of a quote. Yeah. Um, the woman will survive without the artist. Oh, okay. But the artist will die. Both will die without oh. the woman. It's just sort of like learning to care for your yourself. instrument, yourself, yeah. and going through that transition of just like, I think, so to answer your question, the big turning point for me, which has been a long journey even since then, was actually coming into the revelation of, my identity and my value because I think prior to that you're willing to sacrifice yourself for anything when you don't have any value for what you're putting on the altar. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and so you're almost desperate to trash it, to prove 
what a piece of trash it is. Yeah, right. And can something be made from it, even if it's mangled, mm-hmm. you know? And and so I feel like I was very much on that kind of a journey. And I came to LA, I was married, and I came to LA actually initially for my husband, not for him. We're both actors, like we, you know, but the initial inspiration, we didn't really have any intention of coming to America at all. And, you know, I had my frustrations, but I was doing really well, just yeah. shot like two different shows back to back. One was a full season. The other was two full seasons. Wow. And so it was, you know, going great, but feeling frustrated. And, yeah. you know, then I left the show and the producers graciously, like let me out of my contract early, which was stunning. Right. And, and, um, but my husband was sort of struggling at the time. And, and I remember just saying like, I think you're too good looking for Australia. <laughs> <laughs> He's really, he was really like, um, you know, just very beautiful, handsome, tall, very classically good looking. And, right. And we're just really kind of a bit more, you know, when you look around at who's kind of really Working doing Australia, well, it's, it's very much more an everyman. Yeah, definitely. And, um, and I was like, I feel like, you know, at the time, every time, America, the Americans came out to make something in Australia. He always got a job. Oh, okay. And um, and so I was like, Are you allowed to say his name? Or is it public I mean, record? It doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah I feel like okay. when we're you know we're not together anymore. Okay. So. Yeah. Sure. Um. So he came out for acting, and you sort of yeah, we were both actors, and so we were we were having this conversation, and I was just like, I feel like we just got to go to America. They just love you. They just love that, mm. you know, they love you, you always get a job anyway. So we came out here and I had had previously um, a dalliance with spiritual like, spirituality and God mm. and faith and, you know, whatever else, but it sort of didn't really stick at the time. When even was though that? I had when some, you were a teenager? Or? No, that was when I was in my early 20s. Okay. And... There was some really profound experiences that I had. There were some very real experiences that I had, but there was a lot, a lot of stuff that I couldn't reconcile. I couldn't understand, and the way that I differ now to that girl that I was is that those misunderstandings and questions, I had a, I had a demand to have answers that fit my paradigm and my mm-hmm. worldview and what I believed was acceptable. And that was more important to me than intrigue, curiosity, mystery, wonder, unknown. And so now I still have questions. I, I really believe that doubt is a necessary part of the journey of faith. And, mm-hmm. you know, God's not afraid of what we ask him. And, mm. and I know so much. I mean, we collectively, as humanity, we know so much more. Even what we've learned in the last few years about I was going to say the universe, but it's a multiverse we now know. We didn't right. know that before. Yeah. And, you know, what we what we can measure and, and what we know of the observable universe is less than 5%. Mm. You know, the rest of it, it's so unknowable. We don't even know what to call it, so we just call it dark energy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, and it's 68%. Yeah. And then the other stuff we don't know, which is the other 30-something percent, we just call dark matter because we also don't know what that yeah. is either. So if Historians like, call it the dark when, ages when they don't know what it is. Rather yeah. Than, yeah. Well, and so I feel like I feel much more reconciled to just say, well, there's this thing I can't deny anymore. And it's so real. And even though I still have a lot of questions, 
and not willing to give it up because of those questions. There'll always be questions. There'll always be things I don't understand. Cannot lean on your own understanding. And, those, understanding uh, and continuing to ask those questions as well is a form of inspiration. Totally. Too. And that's part yeah. of being an artist as being well. It's part of the inquisition of yeah. what it, and the articulation of like, yeah. where are we? Who are we? What are we doing here? Yeah. Like, and even the acknowledgement of, of some of the realities, like even the fact that you and I never met before, mm. the strangeness of that, that mm. we're sitting here Talking about with a device things. between us yeah. that's recording our conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and we're doing it of our own volition and free yeah. will. Yeah. And like outside the weather has changed so dramatically from it's what it was. Yeah. Yesterday it's so unusual what's happening in the earth and mm. just we're on a rock. And it's rot like it's spinning at mm. a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> like, where did you get these cur this you know, curiosity like from? Just... Is this from your mum or your dad, or from just the mix from, of everything? Well, every good thing comes from the Creator. I really okay. believe it's like. So anyway, that's where I was at. I came. Yeah. So my husband and I came to LA to, yeah. to see if we liked it. That was the okay. first trip. We were did like, did you have a visa and everything? No, we didn't okay. have anything. We were very anti. Permanence. America at that okay. point. We were very What anti, year was like, that? Was that Obama? 2009. Okay, yeah. Just in general, like the way that it was absorbing our culture. Yeah. Just, just everything. Yeah. We were just like, uh, and also at that time, we'd heard a lot of people speak really negatively about Los Angeles. Okay. And, you know, it's a hellhole. It's a Australian actors that it. tried it for a yeah, year yeah, and then yeah. gave up. Totally. Yeah. Or I had a lot of friends that had been here for many years and just wow. been like, I just hustled for five years and it killed me. And okay you know, whatever else. And we just had a really negative um, viewpoint. Yeah. Even though we'd never been here. Right. And and we also felt really strongly about the, you know, being artists. It's our duty and our job to reveal Australian identity, to explore Australian identity. And, and that's what, yeah. And we felt really frustrated by the way it was being overwhelmed and absorbed by the American culture and identity. Do you mean that when Australian stuff was shot here or when the way that they would I just mean the Australian way content? that like our content is like Americanized of what uh, well it's like there's just so little of it. Right. Just even that. And then there's all the other, you know, complexities and whatever else like what you're referring to. But even just the simple fact of just like you know, you turn on the TV and it's Everything was American. In Australia. Yeah. Yeah. On air. I don't think it's the case anymore, though. It's mm. very... That's awesome. Yeah. Australian yeah. TV is Yeah, it's very... amazing. It's really shifted. Yeah. It's really, really I don't know what the shift now. exactly was for that, but it definitely took a turning point um, over the past, like, five years. Yeah. Australian TV became... And now, now, now they have, like, upfronts and stuff in Australia. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. For those listening, upfronts are a thing that American networks do where they're promoting a new series so, or a new yeah. season sort of like a press conference type thing in a way and australian tv was so small but now they've the past two years i think they've started to do that wow that's awesome cool. yeah it's yeah, um, very cool and so, there's heaps of great interesting shows yeah i think really pushing definitely the landscape but anyway so we came out here so the reason that i mentioned this previous dalliance with faith and god and spirituality that i'd had in my early 20s was because my husband and I actually ended up coming out here separately. Oh, okay. Just because we just had, we just operated really differently and I was kind of like, I hadn't traveled for a long time and mm. I hadn't been overseas for a long time and I was like, if I don't 
if I go and I do meetings straight away, like yeah, keep talking. I need to send a message saying I'm going to be late. This oh, afternoon. sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've you know I basically was like I have to get there and do a road trip. I've got to eat some honey, get the lay of the land, smell some flowers, and just feel it out, and then I'll do my meetings. If I if I just go straight into, mm-hmm. I'm gonna. Go crazy. Combust. Yeah. Sure. And he, yeah. he's the total opposite. He was just like, if I muck around doing like la di da, you know, I've just got to go and get the job done. Uh-huh. And we just sort of realized, let's just, I'll go two weeks ahead and I'll meet you there. Okay. You know? So anyway, I did that. And I had friends who were um, in um, a school of ministry in Northern California. Yeah. And um, at a place called Bethel. And they were people that I had been in community with and done a lot of life with and journeying with in my early 20s and had been kind of, yeah, just like family to me for uh, some really seminal years of my life. And I'd lost touch with them. We'd just gone completely different ways. They, like, became missionaries in Africa mm-hmm. and I did satisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, um, um, so it was just sort of we really parted ways yeah. and I think you know I was carrying a, it always just really touches my heart I just think human beings are astonishing mm. the capacity that we have to survive mm. the capacity the room that we make for shame mm-hmm. the fear that we have of like reality mm. and all of these kinds of things, I think I was already really grappling with. I was already mm-hmm. just but in a really tender place. And and um, anyway, I don't even know what it was that, that made me get in touch with them because I hadn't had contact with them for a few years. But I got, I, I'd heard that they were in Northern California. And so I got in touch with them and I just said, hey, I'm, I'm coming to L.A. and... Maybe we could hang out. I don't know. And that gave you, um, that becoming connected with them grounded you? In, well, yeah, I ended up f- I ended up landing here. I rented a car. I stayed one night with a friend in Los Feliz. And this was in 2009, mm-hmm. at the end of 2009. And, um, and then the next morning I woke up and I just got in the car and I drove up to where they were. Right. And it was just a really remarkable wellspring, deep healing life-changing, game-changing experience. Yeah. And um, I just felt like, you know, I used to say I was reconciled with my creator and but now that's been such a long journey since then, you mm-hmm. know, like the journey continues mm-hmm. and it will be a lifelong eternal journey. And and so I really see that as the a, a mark in time of where I really got it's not even that I got on the path. It's it's like I had an awakening and I just began to remember my origin. Wow. Really, you know, I feel like in Colossians it talks about, which is one of the, the letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament, it talks about that we all have our origin in the heart of God. Like he dreamed about us first, you know. Where is the living, breathing dream? Where You know, like... Mm. We are his manifestation on the earth now. He had one once in Christ and now we are that manifestation. And and I think that was the beginning of kind of coming into that revelation, which was the beginning of understanding what a what a value, what a treasure 
I was. There's, there's not only no one like me. I'm not only completely unique, but it's exclusive. Definitely. I am exclusively carrying a strand of the DNA of the divine. And only I can release it on the earth. You know, like. <laughs> and then you go into so, laughter. <laughs> so you just gave a TED so, talk worthy <laughs> analysis of your journey, your life, and yeah. wow, yeah. So that was kind of the beginning of it all, and I really felt like then I came, and then and California just really opened itself to me, like yeah. I feel like so. Did you get rep quite quickly? I did, yeah, and then. You went back, processed the visa, presumably, and then yeah. came back and... Well, I did, yeah, so I came back and did um, a couple of pilot seasons, one after the other. Like How many did you do before you got a job? I did two. Okay. Yeah. Um, the first was so harrowing. Actually, the first two, they all have been harrowing. Yeah, right. <laughs> In their own way, yeah. you've done it, you know. They, yeah. It's sort of, it's not that it gets easier, but you get better at, holding yourself in it and allowing yourself to be held by it. So after those pilot seasons, would you go back to Australia either for work or just to recalibrate and then come back? All of the above. I would go back to try and get money. Sometimes I had work offered to me. Sometimes it was just literally like, oh my God, I have to go home with my tail between my legs. Like, mm. This is what I mean about the space that we make for shame. Yeah. The way that we deal with failure. Our whole idea of failure is just so corrupted. It's so twisted. The way that we try to get things right, the way that we don't give ourselves permission to learn, the way that we don't accept failure as a necessary part of the process to learning, to growing, to succeeding. That, that the, like... The story of death and rebirth is written into everything on the earth and in the known universe. Everything mm. has that kernel of truth written into it. And, and, and going back to what we were talking yeah. about with sacrifice before, I think in part that is part of the corruption as well because the notion of sacrifice is also coded in the earth. And so I think sometimes like artists are extremely prophetic, like we're receiving mm. a lot of information sensorily but we're extremely intuitive and sensitive and prophetic and and so I think along the way what we're receiving and from creation from God from heaven from the atmosphere from other people is then is then processed and filtered through all of the broken places mm-hmm. and so I think you know that there, there is there is sacrifice written into the core and the DNA in every molecule of the earth. So we're always reading that, everything about sacrifice. And going and again, and artists go. especially, because we are so open to receiving totally. stuff. So you were always processing that according to how we perceive the world. So did these realizations, do you think, coming to that realization inform in some way you, you getting your first job, which was, was that once upon a time in Wonderland? No. So I did a pilot. Um, okay. My, the first job I got was a pilot out here. Your third that, pilot season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, did it didn't for? get picked up. It okay. shot in Vancouver. It was amazing. It was a really extraordinary, incredible experience. And um, it didn't get picked up. And then weirdly enough, um, they piloted it again with a whole new cast and they took myself and another actor. And um, 
obviously the same writers, but they got a new director and, and wow. then they reshot it in Budapest the following year, which serious? was amazing. Yeah, and we were all really sure that it was going to go and then it didn't. <laughs> so you did the same pilot twice yeah. and it got, but that's yeah, pretty and awesome and it got that and you got to shoot, shoot it in two yeah, different cities. And you didn't have to audition the second yeah, time, I'm I guessing. Know. Yeah, it was really amazing. Well, yeah. I had a meeting with the director and, okay, and did a reading. New director, but, yeah. And it was kind of fair enough because they had actually, after we did the first pilot, I think, you know, you're on hold for a certain amount of months. The whole yeah. was released and then they were like, we're not going to pick it up. And then they came to me and said, look, we, we're not going to pick it up, but we really love you. We think you're great. And we, we're considering trying to retool it. Um, we just think we need a, a different commander, like a different director and a different visionary. So what network? We're, we're CW. Okay. So we're thinking about this and, and it was with Warner brothers and cause I know CW have, you know, they do CBS sometimes yep. as well and whatever. Yeah. But um, and they so then they offered me a holding deal, which I didn't take. So I just felt like I was at a time when it finally clicked. So you didn't want to cut yourself off from other opportunities. Yeah, I mean, nothing. It wasn't that anything clicked. It was just that I felt like I just didn't want to. I didn't feel to be on hold. I just yeah, was like, right. I you know, it was my. I think it was my third trip out here, and I just was so. I was still terrified and it was still a horror show, <laughs> but I was so enthralled and invigorated. Mm -hmm. You know, I really was invigorated by coming here. I really had so, I didn't realize how wounded I was, how much I was really carrying a lot of, I was, I just felt so completely rejected. And there was a lot, I think I felt that was probably, you know, I don't want to go into my whole story and my family and everything's boring for people who don't know me, but I was carrying a lot of just like wounds about rejection and bitterness. And, and I didn't realize until much later, you know, when I came here, I think it was in my second pilot season. And then, you know, it began to flourish in my third, which was when I booked my first pilot. So your second pilot season, did you like test or some close yeah. stuff happened that yeah. you were like, it's moving forward? And yeah. But what really was, was shifting inside yeah. of me was the revelation that I was hiding. That's really where it started, that I was okay. going in the room with what massive walls up. Yeah. Where I was just like... Similar to my experience. Yeah. I did not want to be seen. But for me, that didn't come from being here that... I was carrying that already. Okay. It, it was just that I yeah, began yeah, yeah, to see yeah. it. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be seen. What allowed you to I recognize that? I think it was just the the flourishing of of the awakening of my relationship with God. Because for, for me... It was just this sense of belonging. It right. was just like, actually, no matter how intrinsically corrupted or what a F up I think I am, yeah. or what a mess I've made of things or whatever else this other who is so other mm. and so kind fully receives me and fully chosen and I'm fully seen already. So why am I hiding? Who am I hiding? Who am I hiding from? What am I hiding from? Like, and I, and I started to contend with just with the revelation of how much I was actually yearning to be seen. Did you realize that in one conversation? No, or... it was a process. Okay. It was a process. But the pilot seasons were the fire of that process. Okay. They were real baptisms of fire yeah. where I was just like... Especially because you're, in, you're putting a, literally putting yourself under a series of exams of and then you're also in a yeah. different country. So circumstances, creatively, it's different. Totally. And then 
you, totally. when you come to a different country for something that specific and arduous, yeah. you have to. And, and I think a in. big part of it was actually America itself. Like yeah. I, I believe in the land in California itself, it's very progressive. It's, there's, a, there's a real freedom here. Yeah. I think it's an American thing. It's mm-hmm. part of their national psyche. It's yep. part of the atmosphere. It's part of what's sown in the covenant in the land, yeah. I think, you know, and, but also it's a part of California and, and I, I think I just really felt that when I got here. I all of a sudden, I realized how hemmed in I felt in Australia, not just as an actress, but as a person. Like, you're right so long as you become one of us. Don't be different. Don't stand out too mm-hmm. much. Don't, like, just mm. all of that. Like, uh, just be normal. Just have it. Sorry, I'm being really. No, no, it's, no. It's just the whole totally thing. Yeah. The whole, just like, my, my, my favorite example of it is. I think that was actually one of the revelations was I think I remember standing in the aisle at the shops and just seeing how much peanut butter there was. <laughs> and I was just like, you can have it any way you like uh, and no one's going to hate you for it. What an interesting like, metaphor. Just who cares? Yeah. Like who cares, man? Yeah. Really? And then I think then I went home after that pilot season and I ordered a coffee. Like I'm lactose intolerant. So I drink soy milk. Right. Was, right. I think it was 4 PM. So I got decaf. Yeah. And the, the, Barista literally like looked at me with this incredible like disdain and just, you know, I was like, can I please get it? Um, sorry, it's embarrassing. But and just that need to apologize yeah. to begin with. Like, yes. is it okay? Can I please get a coffee? But I want to get it. I'm Australia sorry. encourages I that. I want to get it with soy milk. And could I please get it decaf also? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? And this barista just was like, rolled his eyes and just went, why don't you just get a milkshake? <laughs> No! It was like this epiphany of just yeah. like, I don't belong here. I love that I you had these realizations through food. food. I know. I, know. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I want to go back to California so badly where I can just have it however I want it. And people are like, sure, no problem. Yeah. I found myself, I actually came through that, like going to places and being like, could I please, I'm sorry, this yeah. is, do you mind if I, can, and can I please get that on the side? Is that yeah. all right? And they're like, sure, no problem. Yeah. Absolutely. Have it however you like. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like. So good. It's such a revelation when you're so used to being like, I'm sorry, I just, mm-hmm. I'm just different. I, I'm just different and I don't know how to be anything but who I am mm. and I'm trying to be something else, but it's not fitting, it's not working and it's hurting and it, it's, I can't. And I just came here and I just really flourished and blossomed emotionally, spiritually, physically. And then I think the big thing that came out of that was I really fell in love with this American concept of still learning. That is so powerful. You mean continuing to evolve and learn? Yeah. Like still, and, and the humility, like I feel like our, our kind of, I don't know if it's different now because I haven't lived in Australia for a while, but when I came out of drama school, it was like you went to drama school, then you were in the industry Mm. and that's it. It doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. And you know, if you don't work for a year, which is common, like I worked a lot, but sometimes you wouldn't work for six months and that's, it's not super successful, but it's kind of successful. Yeah. That's to be expected in Australia. Totally. I was like, I shot a a series of a show and I did a play. Yeah. But all told that's like, that was 10 weeks and that was four months and that's a year's work and that's great. Yeah. In Australia. In the downtime, you know, anyway, so I love this thing here where people are just so encouraging and they're so responsive to artists as well. Like, and, and just this idea of still learning. Like I think I read an interview with Meryl Streep and she was like, I still take classes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, 
you to shit, Meryl. Nice. <laughs> like, just that's just so awesome. Yeah. Like, of course you're still learning. How could we be so arrogant to think that we know? No. We'll always be still learning. And asking questions. How could you think you know everything? We only know like four and a half percent of the universe. Like, there's so much to learn. There's All that so dark much matter to know. we keep exploring. There's so much that's a mystery. And can I ask so, again? Yeah. Um, I think I feel I need. I want to cap it off. I don't feelings, know. Our feelings I, I change on a moment-to-moment basis. So you, yeah, you I think, think love. Great. I feel love. Nice. I need to give. Okay. I want ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> what about a milkshake? <laughs> a decaf coffee milkshake <laughs> and peanut butter however way you want it. That was a scramble. Um, I'm sorry. That was amazing. Thank you so much, Peter. That was really, really awesome. I feel like it's, I didn't finish any of the, the thoughts. I think that that just means there'll be a part two, probably. <laughs> that was a awesome continuing exploration into my thesis around basically um, what can help distinguish an artist. Sometimes you're born with it, as maybe this book, Living with the Creative Mind by... What, how do you pronounce it? Jeff Crabtree and Julie mm-hmm. Crabtree. Check it out. I think that that was a very good literary basis for our discussion. Um, as well as your amazing articulation of your spiritual life and, and spiritual journey and relationship with God. And thank you for your insights about acting. Um, you're on Twitter? No. You're not? No. Okay. I'm, um, I'm on Instagram. Okay. Um, well, whatever questions you guys have, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram and, um, maybe I can forward them on to Peter. I'll see. Yeah. Um, okay. Thank you so much, Peter. Uh, thank you guys until next time.